Turn to Proverbs. No, I'm sorry, not Proverbs. We're in Proverbs this morning. Turn to Ephesians. Ephesians in the New Testament, <clears throat> chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. While you're turning to Ephesians chapter 5, let me just mention that on the back table over here are several uh, pieces of material. Uh, there's some music there, good for your family and home. By the way, I really enjoyed the music. The singing was great this morning. The hymns, they're just tremendous. Um, and uh, there's also materials there to help you in your personal walk with the Lord. Messages, uh, books on prayer, uh, books, there's devotionals. If you don't have a devotional plan for the year, I'd encourage you, to, it's not too late to go ahead and get, get that and uh, certainly get a good devotional for the year. Uh, there's other things on marriage and family, a great one here, have a heavenly marriage. I'll talk about this a little bit more through the week. Everything that comes in from those items goes directly back to the ministry. And so it'll help with different uh, outreaches and things that we have in the ministry. And then also on the table is our, our ministry card there, and it has our family and our website. And the name of our ministry is called Faith for Revival. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that throughout the week. Uh, you have Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5. Uh, if you're able to uh, and you're capable, would you stand with me one more time to show respect for God's word? Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 31. And um, verse 31, the Bible says this, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Verse, chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. The title of the message this morning is The Mystery of Marriage and Family. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, please guide us in our time together. Fill me with your spirit in each listener. Lord, I pray that those here that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior would understand what it means to be saved and have the Lord Jesus himself helping us in our relationships. Lord, I pray that each believer here would trust you take a step of faith to do what you would have them to do, um, to just simply be empowered by you to do uh, and fulfill our role. So Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts, and I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Now, I love a good mystery. If it's a, uh, maybe a murder mystery or whatever the case is, and you're trying to figure out who did it, uh, who committed the crime, uh, maybe it's a book, uh, if I'm reading a book, you know, my wife's reading a book as well. She's so much faster, and she'll do something like, oh, man, don't wait. It's just great. In chapter 15, though, when he dies, oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> you know, and, uh, she'll try to do a spoiler and throw me off. Uh, but I'm, I'm one of those, if we're watching something, you know, and it's, it's like a mystery, and you're like, I know who did it. It's the butler. You know, shifty eyes, you know, he's got to be him. And I'm guessing out loud for the benefit of those that are also watching. And uh, so usually, you know, there's a mask villain or something like that. And then at the end, the mask is taken off. And it's revealed who was responsible for the crimes. And typically, I was wrong in my guess. But today, if we could, 
let's take off the mask. And I don't mean a mask of pretense or hypocrisy, a mask of trying to cover something. But if we were to see a good family, a godly family, a healthy marriage, where there's a good union and a love there far beyond the honeymoon. Um, let's see where children, young children are obeying the first time. Teenagers are having the right spirit and the right attitude and have a genuine zeal for God. If we're to take the mask off that marriage or family and find out who's responsible, we would find every single time that the Lord Jesus Christ is responsible and he himself alone. The mystery of a godly family is truly the person of Jesus Christ living in us and working through us. A mystery of a godly family is truly the person of Christ living in us and working through us. Will you depend upon Christ so he can live through you in your family? As we look at this passage, we're going to see three um, roles that we have in the family relationship. And it really will make the connection very clearly that we must have the power of the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus Christ to be able to fulfill these roles. Look at chapter uh, 5 and begin in verse 31. It says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And then it says, this is a great mystery. But he's not just talking about the mystery of the incredible union of the marriage of the one flesh of a husband and wife. But he's saying, this is a great mystery. Then it, says, it shows a colon there. And it says, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Just like the husband and wife come together and they form a union now that is unique to any other relationship on the planet. There's, there's a oneness there. Just like that, he's saying, I'm speaking to you to really make this impact and this, make this connection that there is a union between Christ and the church. And he's the head and we're the body and we come together and make this union and there is a union here that we need to have, and it is Jesus Christ in us and through us. When it speaks of Christ in the church, the church is not this building. You know that. Uh, the church is not brick and mortar. You would know, most in here would understand, that the church is made up of a body of believers, those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ for their personal salvation. And now we come together and we meet together. And as we do so, we are that local uh, church. Here we see that as a Christian, a person who trusts Christ as Savior has the, the Holy Spirit inside of them, as we saw, talked about in Sunday school, and now we have Christ's help to live through us as we depend upon him to fulfill these three roles. What are they? Look at verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. The first role is unconditional love. Unconditional love. Unconditional love from the husband to the wife. It says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife. Does it say as he loves himself? No, it does not. Love his wife as himself. Why? Because here is the illustration in this passage is Christ is the head and we are the body and there's this union. 
Well, just like this union is obvious and it's clear, you can't have a head without a body, you can't have a body without a head, there's this union, there's a oneness, just like that there should be this oneness where it's so seamless, the love from the husband to the wife is, she's a part of me. Um, you know, I have a body um, <laughs> that I love and I take my body wherever I go. It's kind of handy that way. And uh, let's say, I don't think of this hand as a separate part of my body. I don't think of my left foot as a separate part of my body. Everywhere I go, I go as a unit. Uh, a unit. Uh, that, that's pretty helpful, isn't it? And I recommend you do the same. Uh, so uh, obviously, that helps us, though, realize just like there's a union of all of these members and all of these body parts coming together, and we say, I love my hand, and I'm going to protect my hand. I put a glove on my hand yesterday when I was picking up rough things and dirty things, and, and sometimes when it's cold, I'm, I'm doing that Why I'm protecting it. If I touch something hot, I'm going to withdraw my hand. I'm going to pull my hand away. Why? I love my hand. It's a part of my body. That's just a natural outflow. That should be the type of love that's from the, uh, the husband to the wife as himself is the, the Bible definition or example of love, not as he loves himself. Here the husband and the wife are one flesh come together. Christ loved the church. That is, he loved us in order to die for us. Uh, look at it, Hebrews, I'm sorry, not Hebrews, Ephesians chapter 5, earlier in the chapter. And let's look at verse 25. Ephesians 5, verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, obviously, what's it talking about? He gave himself for it, for us as uh, to save us. Jesus Christ loved us so much, he left heaven. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave himself. This agape love we're going to learn throughout the week, it gives. It gives selflessly. It gives sacrificially. It gives supremely. And here is this love of God that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Why? because of our sin condition. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the Bible describes our sin as, as it entered into the world through Adam, that first man, and that sin passed upon all men, but also it says death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. You see, the result or the punishment of our sin is death. The wages of sin or payment of sin, the Bible des describes is death. God tells us that there's a punishment or payment for our sin. What is death? Why do we experience death? It's because of sin, but what is it? Death is always separation. When um, uh, we go to a funeral, we see the body there. But we know the real person on the inside's not there. Their soul and spirit have been separated from that body. Physical death. Spiritual death is being separated from God. When we're born physically, yes, we're alive, we're functioning, we're as a baby, as a child, we're alive. But we don't have to be taught to sin. We sin naturally, and that sin naturally separates us from God spiritually, so we have that spiritual death. Now, if we die in our sin, not trusting Christ and what he did for us on the cross, not depending upon Jesus as our own Savior, only him, 
If we think, well, I'm a good person, I, I'm okay. If we die in our sin, then there is eternal death or eternal separation. That's what the Bible describes as the second death. The Bible says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. The book of life is not the Bible. The book of life is a book that Jesus has in heaven with all the names of those that have trusted Jesus Christ placed in that book. They have an eternal life. They've been passed from death into life. And once you trust Christ as Savior, he gives you the gift of eternal life. Your name's in that book and it will not come out. Your name is in that book and you have eternal life and it's eternally secure. But if you don't have your name in that book because you've not trusted Christ, then if you die in that same condition, you'll be separated from God eternally. But listen to God's love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his son, Jesus, to die not for his sins, but for our sins. When we place our faith upon him, saying, okay, I cannot earn my way to heaven. I'm a sinner. I deserve separation and death. But I place my faith in Jesus Christ. Then he gives me the gift of eternal life. When Jesus died on the cross, he died a horrific death. Um, I can't imagine the scourging. I've heard stories of the flagrum or the cat of nine tails with the leather thongs and the sharp objects that would just pierce through and rip through the skin. And I've heard stories of how they would nail the, the criminals to the cross, how they would hang there. And we, sometimes, perhaps, you've seen some type of depiction of ropes. He was nailed to the cross, folks. He hung by those nails, hanging um, uh, by his arms, uh, eventually what happens, the pectoral muscles are unable to really act, and, and uh, it's, he's, he's slumped down because of this, and what's on the inside called intercostal muscles. They're unable to really function properly. They help you exhale and, and breathe in the life-giving oxygen. And in order to be able to simply even take a breath and, and breathe properly and, and deeply, Jesus would have to pull himself up from those by his arms the best he could and that pain of those nails there and he'd have to push his legs straight and again that pain of the the nail through the feet it would just be intense and Jesus Christ went through all of that punishment and the terrible death for you and for me why because he loved us unconditionally (laughs) You don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve heaven, that's for sure. But I know for definite certainty that I'm going there. Not because I earn it. I earn the opposite, death and separation from God in the place called hell. But when I was a young person, I realized I'm a sinner. I sure do not want to be separated from God forever. And I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. When I did so, God gave me a gift and he's never taken it away. I've had it every day since. It's the gift of eternal life. Do you have that gift? Have you received God's unconditional love? Would you see that that is the, that's the foundation for the love for the husband to the wife? Husbands, are you loving your wives 
not conditionally. If they submit, if they don't do this, if they fulfill your expectations, if they meet your needs, would you love your wife unconditionally? Can I say that that is impossible? I remember just um, weeks, perhaps, after we were married, months, I don't know, and uh, we're in our first apartment, and I'm reading Ephesians 5. And it's like, wow, now this is real life. Because <laughs> now I'm married. Husbands, that's me. <laughs> Love your wives, okay? Even as Christ loved the church, I can't do that. <laughs> not because my wife's not lovable. She's great. She's wonderful. She, she, uh, she's tremendous. I, I'm so glad that my wife has followed me these some 25 years and an uh, incredible, crazy life of ministry of evangelist. It's been wonderful. But I know my limitations. Who could stand up here to this morning and say, you know, Brother Miller, I can love my wife just like Christ loved the church. <laughs> no problem. I can do it. Um, I, I had uh, some notes from Sunday school. And Pastor, I said, um, hey, I have the originals here. Can you copy them? And so he copied uh, on the printer. He copied several copies, and we handed them out for Sunday school. Now, I have the originals. If you need a copy, we can make another copy. But that's not how it works with this love. This is agape love. It's God's love. You can't just Xerox copy and say, well, I'll just try my best to, to love as God loves. No, no, no. You can't do it. You have to get the original. In other words, if God is love, I need to have Christ and God himself living in me and through me to love unconditionally. So would you men take the step of faith this morning to love, trusting that she will submit as a result, trusting that she will follow, trusting all these things, but think about her first, forgive her, uh, speak only uplifting words, having that unconditional love. Simply take this step of faith, say, dear God, help me this week. As we go into this, to simply say, dear God, would you help me unconditionally? When I don't feel good, when, when she's not what she ought to be, uh, when I'm not what I ought to be, to still love her unconditionally. That is only impossible, I'm sorry, that's only possible with Christ living in us and through us. Not only do we see unconditional love, but secondly, we see unconditional reverence. Now I'll use another word in place of it in just a second, but look at chapter 5, verse 33. It says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and here's a second, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Can I use, or would you allow me to use the word respect in place of reverence? And we'll go into the word reverence a little bit more, but first of all, we have unconditional love. Secondly, we have unconditional respect, or this unconditional reverence. What is this reverence talking about? Well, it means to revere. What does it mean to revere? It's really a pretty strong, heavy word. In fact, the Greek word for reverence, uh, translated there in verse 33, is also found in verse 21. Look at chapter 5, verse 21. If you're still with me, would you say amen? amen. Okay, all right. Uh, verse 21 says this, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Okay, now nobody's here but us. Uh, okay, what do you think is that word that is translated reverence 
that's in verse 21. It's the same Greek word, but it's translated a different way. And don't, you're not allowed to look at the Greek on your phone. <laughs> okay. and, uh, all right, let's just do this little... You know, uh, what do you think it is? Submitting is not it. But you think so. That was what would be my guess. That is actually a different word. Submitting and subjecting uh, is the idea of you're placing yourself under. You're coming in line. Uh, of course, it has to do in uh, um, implied obedience. Uh, submitting yourselves in the one to another in the fear. It's actually the word fear. That reverence is so strong that it's a fear. Now, it's not a horrification. It's not like, oh, I've got to stay away. No, when we fear the Lord, what do we do? We hate evil and we draw closer to him. Okay, it's such a healthy respect and a fear of God. And as I'm fearing, and as, ladies, as you're fearing your husbands, it's, it's like I'm looking past my husband and I'm sweetly respecting, I'm submitting, I'm reverencing, I'm fearing God as I'm listening and respecting my husband. It is a heavy word. It helps us. This reverence does mean to be alarmed or to, to fear. It's where I recognize, you know what, I'm accountable to how I treat this person. It's sweetly without hesitation. Um, you know, when I, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, when I tell my body to do something, it usually doesn't um, argue. Well, it has lately. <laughs> it didn't want to work out last night, that's for sure. It doesn't want to uh, say no to, uh, you know, that dessert. Um, you know, if I say, hey, uh, pick my hand, pick up that book, my hand doesn't say no. <laughs> My hand just, okay, yeah, whatever. I'll pick up the book. Okay, put, place it back down. Okay, I'll place it back down. Obviously, there's, uh, uh, there's a union there. There's compliance uh, to be able to do so. There must be that unconditional respect, even though the husband's leadership may not be what it should be. Even if he's inconsistent. Even if he's incorrect. Not that any husband in here would ever be incorrect at any time. You could laugh at that point. Uh, do you notice how good the wives were? They were so quiet. They didn't, I didn't see any elbows or anything. That was excellent. Very good job. Oh, there's some back there. <laughs> and, uh, even though they're incorrect. Um, what does the Bible say in verse 24? It says this. This is incredible. Verse 24. It says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands... In, what's the last two words? In everything. Wow. <laughs> what if he's incorrect? What you're saying, you mean if he says, go rob a bank, I'm supposed to go just rob a bank? Well, you're already wearing a mask, so I mean, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> just teasing. Uh, no, that's not what we're saying. <laughs> and obviously, that's probably not going to be the case represented here. You know, go do this very wicked, immoral thing. Well, probably not it, okay? But as the husband is leading, are there times he's inconsistent? Sure, on fire for God and uh, not so, you know, on fire. We're not going to watch any entertainment. We're not going to have any movies. We're not going to do anything. And you're throwing everything away. Then the next week, you're back at Best Buy <laughs> and you're buying the flat screens and everything else. 
Um, oh, we're on fire for God. This is a new year. And then come February, oh, we're drifting off. We're not coming to the Sunday night service. And, uh, you know, so sometimes there's inconsistency. Occasionally, it could be an incorrect decision. What, uh, could there be a, a misjudgment about finances? Um, what if uh, the husband and wife say, you know what? We really need to start investing for our retirement. So let's invest, okay? So why don't we both do our research, and then in a few weeks, we'll come back together, and we'll just talk it out. And so she does her research, and she looks into IRAs and Roth IRAs and whatever else and systematic or whatever, investing and all of these different things. And, and she does her homework, and she has pie charts and 3D, uh, you know, presentation, and she has a PowerPoint and everything. And wow, she's got it all ready, and he just kind of drops the ball. And, but um, uh, he uh, wakes up. One night in the middle of the night, he can't sleep, and so he turns on TV, and there's an infomercial. That's the only thing on. And uh, they say, get you, here's a way to get rich, and uh, you can be able to invest in it. And uh, so he's like, oh, I got the idea. So the next day, it uh, comes around, and, and she's talking, and she goes through all of her stuff, and she presents this, this if we invest this much, and over the, this many years, and then we'll have this, and, and it'll be tax, whatever, and uh, you know, all of these things. And he listens patiently and says, okay, well, that's good. Okay, but now here's my idea. Okay, I, last night I couldn't sleep and I watched an infomercial. Are you watching an infomercial? Yeah, it was great. And we're going to be rich, honey. And uh, okay, we're going, to, we're going to invest. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. We're going to invest in snails. Did you say nails? No, I said snails. Like the little slime, yes, yeah, snails. Like escargot, yes, yeah, snails. We're going to invest in snails, and uh, it's going to be great. Nobody else is doing it. <laughs> There's a reason nobody else is doing it, she says. Oh, we're going to be on the ground level, she says, with the snails, and we're going to stay there. You know, uh, this, is, this is not a good idea. Oh, no, no, just trust me, it's going to be great. And what does she do now? <laughs> She's like, that's it. She grabs the papers. That's dumb. <laughs> of all the idiotic things I've ever heard, snails. Who would invest in snails? No, I'm making the decision here, and she takes it. Well, did she do the right thing? I mean, wow, now we're really getting to the point of, that really is a dumb decision. <laughs> but it'd be wiser to do her plan, yes. But what's the way to do it? Should she talk? Yeah. In the right spirit? Certainly. Should there be discussion to try to get through his thick skull? Yes. But ultimately, what I see from Scripture is there's one head in the home. There's one making the ultimate decision. If he said, honey, thank you, but we've got to go in snails. What if she just says, okay, I'm going to start buying a T-shirts that says, I love snails. <laughs> Go to snails R us, snails.com. I don't know, you know, maybe God will bless snails. <laughs> but she just says, okay, honey, here's what I think, but I believe we should do this, but I'll follow your lead. What she just did is she places the responsibility back on his shoulders. And now he is accountable to God for that decision. Wives, you want to be protected? Submit and follow and have that healthy respect unconditionally. Should there be discussion? Sure. But would you take the, make the decision to take a step of faith this morning 
to respect not just when you feel like it, not just when he earns it, but to have unconditional respect. Submit without arguing, without the nagging spirit. Submit even perhaps when ultimately you think it's a bad idea. Say out loud, not only I love you, but I respect you. Wait on him to take the lead and to decide if he takes, needs more time. Would you take that step of faith and say, Dear God, help me to have unconditional respect. Not only do we see unconditional uh, love and unconditional respect, but finally we see in chapter 6 and verse 1, and look there, it says chapter 6 and verse 1. Let's all say the first word out loud. Ready? Let's read chapter 6, verse 1. It says what? Children. Now, all the kids here and all the teenagers thought this is going to be great. God let me off the hook. I didn't have to be a uh, part of this message. Ah, here it is. But now some of the teenagers go, huh, I'm still off the hook because it says children. Well, children here doesn't mean, okay, little kids, all right, now look up here. All right, we're going to have a lesson. To, no, no, no. It's not just talking about the little kitties that we're going to have at kids club or the nursery age. It's not just them. Children here means offspring. <clears throat> so if you've been sprung or hatched or whatever <laughs> took place for you, that's you. You say, well, I'm 16 and I'm old enough to drive. I'm scared, <laughs> and, and uh, I'm 18, and I, I won't even talk about boating, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm whatever age. Okay, that's great. Okay, this is talking about you. This is talking about um, uh, your age group, okay, sons and daughters, offspring. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You should have an unconditional obedience. How can you do that? Except the Lord helps you. But specifically, how should you do so? If you're a teenager and you're able to read and write, would you take a note, <laughs> three notes here? All right, how should you do so? Unconditional obedience should be immediately with a happy heart. Immediately. Obey immediately with a happy heart. <clears throat> this is a, a yes, sir, uh, without... Uh, an excuse first. It's not being slow. One pastor said, slow obedience is no obedience. <laughs> I had a, a donkey and uh, uh, we had it up here and I'm pulling and pastor's pushing and we're trying to get the donkey moved and it takes us 15 minutes to get the donkey out the door and, and, and out of here, which we probably <laughs> wouldn't bring it in here. And it takes us 15 minutes. Would anyone go, wow, that was an obedient donkey? <laughs> Eventually he did it, yeah, after he kept being prodded and pulled. and No, no, no. It's the whole idea of obedience is immediately, the first time. Don't wait until your parents get red and very red and like veins start popping out and you're like, wow, something's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, something bad's going to happen. Okay, there's going to be an explosion here. And uh, okay, go, get ready for bed. Uh, do it the, right, uh, the, the first time. Hey, uh, when your parents tell you to get ready for bed, do you do it right away? Uh, there's some young people back there. Are you paying attention? Are you looking down? Uh, some of them are looking down. All right, are you, do, are you putting down the video game when your parents tell you to do it the first time? Uh, you need to obey uh, the first time. Obey immediately uh, with a, a happy heart. Uh, I remember uh, working on our kids, boy, so many times about 
you know, um, saying yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and all of these things, and, and doing it with a smile. Uh, it says, the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. That's where that happy heart comes in. Okay, it's that honoring. And honor means to set a value upon. Uh, so I'm going to value my parents uh, with, uh, as a, their intrinsic value. They are valuable, so I'm not going to mistreat them and, and uh, do something I shouldn't. Uh, but when our kids were little, I'd say, you say, yes, sir. You say, yes, sir. You say to mom, yes, ma'am. I had to tell them only about 4,000 times before it got in. And they're little. They're three or four. And one time, uh, one of my sons, I said, hey, you do that. You do it with a happy heart. You know, <laughs> he got the smile on and said, you, you, happy heart. You know what to say. He says, he said, yes, ma'am, daddy. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, he's got the idea. So I'll just let that one ride. <laughs> you know, <laughs> got the spirit there. So... There should be an immediate obedience with a happy heart. Let me ask, do you do obey the first time? When, when you're told to do something, hey, go take out the trash. <laughs> go clean up your room. At that point, is it like all of a sudden gravity becomes so much stronger? You're like, oh, man, I, should, I just can't really get over there and pick up the, <laughs> you know, this. I can't clean up my room, and it's so hard and, and so difficult, you know? You need to say, okay, I'm going to obey the first time immediately. Not only obey immediately with a happy heart. Second, would you jot this down, obey privately with a clean heart. Obey privately with a clean heart. You know, in today's time, we have so much access to the outside world and to the web and to the internet. My notes today are on a device. This device could get online. I mean, anymore, teenagers can get online with a piece of paper, I think. You know? It's like every, there's phones and there's watches and there's, of course, all of these uh, different types of devices that we could. What is your, uh, what's your standard? H how are you going to help? First of all, parents, how are you going to help your children with this? You need to have filters in place. You need to have rules in place. You shouldn't take the device uh, to the bedroom at night to charge. You leave the device out um, where it's in the parent's bedroom or it's out in the kitchen or whatever. If it's a computer, don't have the computer. I even say that even the TV uh, in there, but have that out, out in the, the main room. Um, you know, the, I had a TV in my room growing up. It was 11 or 13 inch, I can't remember, black and white. It had a knob and it was kind of, you know, in between. I got two and a half channels. <laughs> and uh, uh, I remember staying up late past my bedtime to watch Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> and uh, I'm I was convicted about that, you know, uh, after uh, I was getting into college and such. You know, I, here, here I was, and I'm so glad. And we didn't have cable back then. I didn't think they even invented it. And uh, uh, we didn't have all these hundreds of channels and all of this other stuff. But with what little I had, I was even disobedient. Look, now don't let your kids have access to so much more that could just wreck their hearts and their lives and scar them for the rest of their life without having some rules in place to help them and protect them. Would you obey privately with a clean heart? Is there something going on, disobedience behind your parents' back? Is there something that you're hiding?
Have you been lying and not been coming clean with the truth? Now, sons and daughters, we love them. But we've got to realize they have a sinful nature. And some can lie very, very well and keep lying. And even when you hear a message like this, you can skirt and you can push off the conviction because you think you won't get caught. Would you obey immediately with a happy heart? Would you obey privately with a clean heart? And then finally, would you obey completely with an understanding heart? The Bible says in Colossians 3, let me quote it, Colossians 3.20, Children, obey your parents in the Lord in all things. I'm sorry, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. To please the Lord, uh, the Bible says, children, you can obey your parents and please God in doing so. We obey your parents in all things, even when you don't understand, even when um, things don't make sense. Just trust the Lord. Uh, have you ever um, got told no and you didn't understand why? Like, that doesn't make sense. What if you say, hey, uh, mom, dad, uh, how many teenagers, let me ask, how many teenagers or even 12 12 and older do we have here, uh, 12 to, let's say, 19. How many 12 to 19-year-olds do we have? Okay, wow, quite a few. That's amazing. And uh, let's imagine you have uh, activity uh, with a bunch of teenagers. It's going to be chaperone. It's going to be fine. There's nothing going to be wrong about it, but you need some money. So you go to mom and dad, and you say, hey, dad, is that a new tie? <laughs> no, same one since 1980. And uh, hey, mom, you're looking good. Um, hey, I just wanted to ask, you know, can I go on this youth activity? Sure, sure. Well, in order to go, you know, we're going to go and we're going to eat and we're going to play some games. We're going to do some other stuff here. Um, I'm going to need some money. Okay, well, uh, what do you need? All, all we need is 75 bucks. <laughs> and your parents start laughing. You think laughing is good. <laughs> you know, they're smiling. <laughs> 75, 75 bucks. No. You can have 75 bucks. Oh, come on. Why? Why can't I have 75 bucks? The young person says, why can't I have 75 bucks? I, can't, I don't understand. And all of a sudden, they start singing higher. They start singing soprano. Like, yeah. why can't? And he's a, it's a guy. And <laughs> why can't I have the money? And he starts whining up here. And, and then all, all of a sudden as well, there's, there's some things that happen. You, you can't finish sentences. There's things that happen in your throat. And it's just some different noises. Why can't I have the, uh? There it was. Did you hear it? And I want to, uh. And everybody else says, uh. And, uh, uh, uh. It's like, whoa, what in the world? And is this like rap music or something? Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. Uh, you know? And, uh, and uh, you go, what? What's going on? And, and, uh, and you know, I don't know. I, let's bring the pastor or youth pastor or somebody here, you know, can you come in and, and he, he, I, I don't know, and honey, come in, let's figure out what he's doing. Oh, 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 I know what it was. You remember we went to SeaWorld? Oh, 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 you know, maybe that was it. And, uh, uh, but there's this whining and complaining and the, uh, and all of these things. And we say, well, why can't I have the money? Now, what if your parents said, okay, all right, um, sit down. Okay, this is why you can't have the money. This is our income. This is how much we make. And they spend the next three hours going through the budget and showing this is what we give to church and give to the Lord. And then this is our house and this is whatever expenses and this is whatever. This is teenagers. Those are expenses. And, uh, and all of this. This is our income and this is our outflow. And you see 
there's no money left over to give you to go to this activity. And after three hours, you know what the teenager would say? So, does that mean I don't get the 75 bucks? <laughs> They're not gonna, they don't ask why in those cases oftentimes to understand. They ask why to get their way. But we learn throughout the Word of God, especially Proverbs 6, that obedience precedes learning. You obey first, and then you understand. It doesn't mean you, oh, you'll understand when you're older. No, you can understand a lot more stuff right now, teenager, if you obey. If you obey. Will you have a unconditional obedience? Imagine with me, um, we go to a big lake, and it's a deep lake. And here's this very deep lake, and um, we're in a boat. And as we get in this boat, in this lake, um, uh, the teenager says to me, hey, Brother Chris, do you mind if I go, jump off the, uh, and get in the water? I say, no, no, that's okay. Go ahead. And I, well, I don't have a life jacket. Well, can, how, how's your swimming? Oh, I can swim okay. Okay. And they just jump in. Psh, they go underwater. They pop right back up. They swim like a fish. And they're swimming all around the boat. And I say, well, you've been out there for a few minutes. Why don't you come on? Come on, get back in the boat. Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm okay, Brother Chris. I'm okay, he says. And they keep swimming around, and <clears throat> a few minutes later, his head goes under the water because a, a wave kind of comes and catches him off guard. But just a few seconds later, it comes right back. and says, hey, hey I, I saw you go under the water. Come on, why don't you get back up and get in the boat? No, 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 I'm okay. He just keeps swimming around, keeps swimming around. <laughs> now, a few more minutes go by, and this time gets really fatigued. And when a wave comes, he goes under for a few seconds. And he comes up coughing and spitting, and he's scared. And he reaches for my hand, and I grab his hand, and I pull him, and I bring him to sit in the boat. And when he's sitting in the boat, he starts moving his arms, and he's kicking his feet like this. <laughs> he's just kicking his feet, and he's moving his arms. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I, I, I don't want to drown, Brother Chris. I don't want to drown. I don't want to drown. I said, wait a minute. You're not going to drown right now because you're in the boat. And as long as you're in the boat, you'll stay afloat on the water without any effort of your own. You know, the Bible says, young people, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. You need to get back in trusting him in the boat. You see, we're out here, we could be dads and and husbands, where I heard, man, I'm trying to love my wife like I ought to, but it's so hard, man, it's just so difficult. We've got this coming and that coming, and you, know, you, don't, you don't understand how she does this, and you don't understand she's not doing this. And you're trying on your own, and you're going under soon. Or your wife, and you're, man, I'm trying to uh, respect my husband like I ought to, but you, you should see him. He's not the spiritual giant that everybody thinks he is, and, you know, and she's just going around. And she's starting to go under as well. And there's young people and teenagers, and you say, I'm trying to obey, I'm trying to do... No, no, that's not the idea. The idea here is, dear God, I'm trusting you to do what I cannot. So I'm taking a step of faith, and I want to get in the Lord to depend upon Him to have unconditional love, unconditional respect, unconditional obedience. And when I do so in the Lord, it's like getting in the boat and staying afloat on the water without any effort of my own.
But you realize that the mystery that's described here is all of Jesus Christ. If we take that mask off, if we're going to have the right type of love, respect, or obedience in our marriages and our families, we must have Christ in us. Do you have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And are you allowing him to help you to be able to fulfill your role unconditionally by taking that step of faith? Would you do so even right now?